So today we're going to wrap up the What If series, and um, I, I enjoy What If questions and stuff. It kind of gets your, your mind thinking and gets you uh, going in some different directions and stuff, And because, uh, you know, if we're not careful, we get settled into uh, a pattern of thinking, and we, uh, we just quit thinking, you know, after a while, and so, <clears throat> but I always like to f- start with a fun What If on this one, and uh, this is one that I've thought about before, never in depth of anything, but... What if you could drill a hole through the middle of the earth to the other side and then jump through it? Where would you stop at? Would you go on into outer space? Would you stop in the middle? Would you end up in India? Where would you end up at? Where would you stop at? Because I don't know where gravity starts and stops if it affects us once you go underground. I don't know. It's interesting. Anyway, that's the fun what if for the day. Interesting. Anyway. So, <laughs> y'all don't think about that what if, think about this one. All right, so today we're going to be talking about what if Mary wasn't a virgin. Uh, this kind of leads us into our Christmas season uh, with this one. And, and uh, today I want to read part of uh, the story in Luke to kind of get an idea of where we're at, what we're talking about. But what if Mary wasn't a virgin? So let's go into Luke chapter 1, verse 26. <coughs> And let's, uh, this is part of the, the Christmas story that you know, we read every year uh, with Luke. And so Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel, angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she she who, who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And so here we see the story about a young girl who an angel visited. She was a virgin and said, you're going to have a child and it's going to be the Holy Spirit's child. Now, uh, I did some research on this and went to the Barna group again. That's the the Christian research group. And they asked 1,005 adults uh, in America about if they believed in the virgin birth. And I'm always intrigued by these to see uh, the breakup of how, you know, kind of the world views things and and even within Christians, uh, you know, how how these things are viewed. And surprisingly, 75% said that they believe that it was as it was stated in the Gospels that Jesus was born from a virgin. And so I was kind of surprised that 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 was such a high number. Uh, That was among Christians and uh, people who don't go to church, even atheists and agnostics were in that. And, and they said that they believe that 
Jesus was born of a virgin. And, and I just kind of wonder if that's just kind of part of our culture, though, uh, because, you know, we celebrate the birth of Jesus every Christmas, and so that's part of the story is the virgin birth. And, and I, so I wonder if that's part of why so many people agree with this one. Uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago uh, we did the research on it, and it, it, talking about did Jesus sin or not, and it was like 50-50. Uh, whether people believe that Jesus sinned or not. Uh, and that was in church and that was out of church as well. It was pretty close to the same. And, and it's like, you know, how can you believe that Jesus sinned and he was still the Son of God? I mean, I don't understand that. So I was really surprised at this 75% that said that. So what would have happened if Mary wasn't a virgin? Uh, the answer is pretty simple. Uh, you know, Jesus wouldn't have been the Messiah then. Uh, it, it was part of what uh, the process that, that God set up uh, for the Messiah to come, that he had to be born of a virgin. We'll read some scripture on that here in just a little bit. But if Mary wasn't a virgin, then Jesus would not have been the Messiah. And so, uh, but as we look at uh, the Virgin Mary, there's several different beliefs out there. Um, most Christians believe that uh, Mary was a virgin until Jesus was born. And this is the gospel narrative. This is where, what we see in the gospels play out. <clears throat> that, that uh, you know, Mary remained a virgin until after the birth of Jesus. And, and then after that, you know, she went on to have more kids. Uh, we can see this in Matthew chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 13, if you want to go back and look at that. Uh, there's another belief out there that it's, it's called perpetual virginity, in which Mary was a virgin until she died. They, you know, that she never had sexual relations. And so uh, I, I believe some Catholics and some different uh, people believe in perpetual virginity, but that's not what the Bible tells us, so I'm not inclined to believe that on that. And, you know, of course, some people believe that she wasn't, and, and there's lots of different beliefs out there. But what makes the virgin birth significant? That's what I want to talk to you about today. What makes the virgin birth significant? Why did Jesus have to come through a virgin, and, and what were the implications because he did come through a virgin, what, what are the implications of that, uh, of the virgin birth? And so I want to talk about four different things here today. And, and we're not going to talk long about this, and, but uh, what makes the virgin birth significant? Number one, it makes his birth supernatural. Supernatural. Now, when you start using the word supernatural, people have different ideas in their mind about what supernatural is. And basically, supernatural is something that cannot be explained by science or, or, or laws of nature and stuff like that. And so anything outside of, uh, of what science and laws of nature uh, can explain, we consider it supernatural. And so, but because it was the virgin birth, it made the birth of Jesus supernatural because virgins don't have babies. I mean, I, I know y'all have had the birds and the bees talk, right? I mean, y'all kind of, I don't want to go with that. I mean, I'm a youth pastor. I'm used to giving this talk, so if anybody needs it, we'll, we can talk later. Um, but virgins don't have babies, okay? And so uh, this is something that happened that was supernatural outside the laws of nature and, and science. And so what's cool about this, though, I love how God works. You know, he, he's, he, he's in the details of a lot of things. And what's cool, the... The Gospel of Luke, uh, if you kind of research into who Luke was, Luke was actually a doctor. And, and we can see this in Colossians chapter 4. Uh, 
Uh, Paul refers to him in that way. And, and so Luke was actually a doctor. And so I have a feeling that he delivered a few babies. Okay, And so for him to be able to write out this narrative of the birth of Jesus, as far as Jesus coming through a virgin, he knew that that was impossible. <laughs> like, this does not happen. This is not the way it works. And so I, I think it's cool that, that God used a doctor to explain to us the virgin birth uh, in this. And so, but, I mean, there's been billions of people been born into this world, but only one has been born of a virgin. And that's supernatural of what God did through that. So what makes the virgin birth significant? The birth was supernatural. Second of all, it gave Jesus his dual nature. Now, when, when we talk about the dual nature of Jesus, um, uh, you know, getting into some theology stuff here, that Jesus was 100% God and he was 100% man at the exact same time. Now, a lot of people, you know, that's kind of hard to wrap your mind out. Well, maybe he's 50% God, 50%. No, 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 no. He was all God, and he was all man at the same time. Okay? And so, you, you know, when, when we have children, you know, lots of times you can look at the child. It's like, well, you know, that, you know, he looks just like his dad, or he looks just like his mom, or he acts just like his mom, or, you know, we always like to say, well, he's acting just like you now. I mean, come on, Right? You know, when my kids are acting up, they act like Miranda. I mean, that's just the way it is. And so, but we always see that in the other person, not in ours, right? What really makes us mad when they start acting like us, though. That's when our kids really make us mad, right? Because you can't say much to that. Anyway, but, but when our kids are born, they have 100% of your DNA and 100% of your spouse's DNA at the same time. And so they're 100% of both of us, and they're just a mixture of both. And that's the cool thing about Jesus is that he was 100% God, and he was 100% man at the same time. And, the, and, it's, and it's awesome to see the mixture of the two because that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be a mixture of, because of, we were made in the image and the likeness of God, and we have God's imprint on the inside of us, but we're human as well. And, and so we're supposed to be that mixture as well as Christians of what it looks like to live as Jesus lived, but we're still in this world. And so, uh, you know, Jesus is that example of that. But, but, but I want to talk about this for a second. Jesus was fully God, and he was fully man at the same time. And see, as we read in the narrative in Luke, <clears throat> is that the Holy Spirit came upon the virgin and she conceived. And so, you know, the Holy Spirit or God is the father of Jesus. And so he gets that DNA, you know, of God. Of course, we know that Jesus is God and that he already was. And so, you know, there wasn't an actual transaction there. But, but Mary as the mother of Jesus and being the virgin, he got to take on the earth suit. He became 100% human at the same time. And I love reading through the Gospels and seeing the humanity of Jesus and seeing that mixture of, you know, Jesus standing for what is right and, and being in the will of the Father. But you see these times to when, you know, his humanity came out of him. And so, like we even see this, you know, after he was baptized, you know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit drove him out into the wilderness. He was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. See, if Jesus was just fully God, then those temptations would have been meaningless. Because God can't be tempted with evil, nor does he tempt anyone. And so, those temptations would have meant nothing. But because he was 100% human, 
the temptation was actually there. And, and the Bible tells us that, you know, that we have a high priest now that knows our suffering. He knows our temptation, and, and yet he, he's still sinless. And so he understands what we go through. That's awesome that we have a God that has personally dealt with what we deal with. And you know what? He's in heaven praying for you and me right now. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. He knows what you're going through. He knows the temptations that you face. He knows the struggles that you face. And He is your intercessor. He is your lawyer. He is the one sitting at the right hand of the Father doing your bidding for you with the Father. That's the beauty of the dual nature of Christ is that He's all God and He's all man. But I want to read some scripture on this. And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, I got this wrong first. I said Philippians chapter 1 is chapter 2. But anyway, Philippians 2, 6, we read this as, Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Because he was all God, he could have used his, his godness while he was here on the earth you know, to do some things, to take care of some things. But he, he didn't do that. He didn't take advantage of that, and he lived as a human here on earth. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming, an obedient, becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that every knee... That that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Man, that's good stuff right there. Because he was willing to humble himself as a human, God exalted him to the highest place. <clears throat> we see in the book of John as he's introducing his gospel. He said, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was was God. See, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that was made. Have you ever thought about that in the light of Jesus? That Jesus was there in the very beginning. When God said, let there be light, that was Jesus that went to work because he's the word. Those words were spoken and that was Jesus that made these things. He said that that through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that was made. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, the very Jesus that was there in the very beginning. See, a few weeks ago we talked about the Lamb of God who was slain from the foundation of the world. See, God had the plan already. God was not reacting to our sin, but he put a plan in place before we even sinned. And that there was a plan in place for Jesus to come and to die. And that he would become man. And that this was God's plan from the beginning. But see, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was 100% human like we are. And I love Hebrews 4.15 it says, For we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just like we are, yet he did not sin. Man, that's great news. See, Jesus was tempted just like we are because he was human. But because he was God, 
His birth and His death meant something far beyond the normal one. So what makes the birth of the, the virgin birth significant? First, it was a birth with supernatural. It gave Jesus His dual nature. Third, it fulfilled prophecy. I, I love this kind of stuff to where you know, we go into the Old Testament, and that's what we're going to be doing through this Christmas series, is going into the Old Testament and seeing Jesus uh, throughout the Old Testament. Because we don't see the name Jesus in the Old Testament, do we? We see Yahweh, we see different words that, you know, that reference. But Jesus was there through the whole thing. And see, there's prophecy after prophecy after prophecy of the Messiah that Jesus fulfilled these prophecies. If you want some homework this week, yeah, I know y'all love homework. Y'all don't have anything else going on this week, right? Um, go in and study the prophecies of the Messiah. You can, you can Google this and bring up some websites that will give you the, the prophecy of the Messiah and the exact scriptures that Jesus fulfilled those prophecies. If you want to do some research, do that this week and see how many of the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in that. But I want to talk about one in particular we find in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Isaiah said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will, be, will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. You know what Emmanuel means? God with us. See, that's a beautiful sign right there because in the Old Testament... God wasn't with them. He was there. He was in the tabernacle. He was in the temple to where his, his, his presence resided, but he wasn't God with us. See what happened when Jesus came and that he became flesh. He put on that flesh. He came and he dwelt among us and he became God with us. See those people, they got to walk with him, talk with him, ask him questions. I mean, they were there and experienced life with Jesus. But see, when Jesus left, he said something. He said, he said if, I can't, if I don't leave, then I can't send the Comforter. See, he sent us the Holy Spirit to live among us now. See, we still have Emmanuel. We still have God with us because when you become a Christian, when you give your life to him, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you. And now you're the temple. Now you are the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God. And so now you have God with you all of the time. See, the people in the Old Testament, the prophets and all those longed for the day when that could happen. And we live in that day now to where God lives within each and every one of us as believers. I don't know, that's exciting news to me that God's with me. See, here's the thing is that you can't walk away from God. There's no place that you can go that God is not there because He's with you all the time. Man, that's good news. God with us. But Jesus fulfilled this prophecy. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And he will be called Emmanuel. <clears throat> but I challenge you this week to go into the find the prophecies about the Messiah and see where Jesus fulfilled those prophecies. So the fourth thing. What makes the virgin birth significant? Besides it being supernatural and giving Jesus the dual nature, fulfilling prophecy. See, here's the thing. Is that the human race couldn't produce its own redeemer. Out of the thousands and thousands and thousands of years, there was no redeemer that came. Now, there was something in the Jewish tradition 
called a kinsman redeemer. To where if, say, someone got into debt or got into trouble and they had to give up their land, uh, there, there was someone in the family called the kinsman redeemer that could buy that back for them and restore it back to the rightful person. And see, that's what Jesus did for us. See, we got into a place of debt that we couldn't pay. And he came along and he paid the debt for us. And then he gave us that relationship back with God. See, all the way back in the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve, they sinned and they rebelled against God. They broke that relationship with God. There was a, a separation. There was a death that happened. See, a death is just a separation. And see, when Adam and Eve sinned, it'll be all right. They'll take care of us. <laughs> when Adam and Eve sinned, there was a death or a separation that happened. And so that man could not come into the presence of God in, again. But see, Jesus restored that to where we can now come back into the presence of God without fear of being condemned because of the blood of Jesus in our lives. And so the kinsman redeemer was a, a precursor or something that pointed towards the Messiah that was coming. But see, the human, human race could not produce its own redeemer. There had to be an outsider. And see, the beauty of what Jesus did is he became one of us, yet he was still all God. And so he was able to fulfill the law, to live his perfect life and do the things that he needed to do. And he died in our place so that we could have salvation. That's good news. That is the good news. The good news of the gospel right there. So the fact that the human race couldn't produce its own redeemer implies that the sin and the guilt are so profound and that its Savior must come from the outside. And see, that's what Jesus did for us. But see, if it wasn't for the virgin birth, none of this could have happened. See, if, if she wasn't a virgin, he would have been known as the son of Joseph, which he was referred to that some. But see, the son of Joseph couldn't redeem because he'd be human like us. It had to come through, and he had to be the Son of God. See, I love what this one pastor wrote about the, the virgin birth. He said this, he said, If the virgin birth of Jesus was untrue, then the story of Jesus changes greatly. We would have a sexually promiscuous young woman lying about God's miraculous hand in the birth of her son. Raising that son to declare that he was God and then joining his religion. But if Mary is nothing more than a sinful con artist, neither she nor her son Jesus should be trusted. Because both the clear teachings of the scripture about the beginning of Jesus' earthly life and the character of his mother are at stake. We must contend for the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. We must contend for the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. See, here's the thing. Is that... You know, as, as we look at our society today, there's this phrase that scares me. People will say, well, that is my truth. That's a scary phrase. Because that implies that their truth is not necessarily my truth. And the last time I checked, the truth is always true. Right? So it can't, truth can't be true for one person and not for somebody else. That's not the way truth works. And see, we've got to be careful as Christians that we don't get into this mindset of truth is relative. Do you know what truth is? 
God's Word. God's Word is truth. Now, not everybody believes that. But as Christians, we need to base our life on the truth of God's Word. See, we can't get into a place to where we pick and choose what we think is truth out of this. Either it's all true or it's all not true. If only part of it's true, then none of it's true. And so we've got to be careful that as we read God's Word, we don't try to pick and choose what we're going to believe. See, there's some stuff in this Bible right here that I don't like. Has anybody else ever been there? Like you read something like, God, I really don't like that. But that doesn't make it untrue. Just because I don't like it or if it doesn't make sense to me, that doesn't make it untrue. See, we've got to realize that the truth of God's Word is what we need to base everything on. See, if, if because I don't understand it doesn't make it true, then, then, then there's a lot of this that's going to be in question in my mind. Because God's ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. See, I can't rely on my own human reasoning to find truth. As much as I trust my reasoning, it's flawed. Human logic doesn't always make sense. And so we've got to figure out what truth is. And that's why it's so important to be in God's Word and base our life on His truth. See, don't base what you believe based on your experience. Base it on His Word. We need to bend our experience to God's Word, not the other way around. See, if I rely more on what I feel and what I believe, and then I try to interpret God's Word based on that, then I'm going to mess this thing up. It's going to, I'm going to have some wrong thoughts about God. And so I've got to learn that no matter what I experience, no matter what I feel or what I, I think or what I reason, if it doesn't line up with this, then I'm wrong. Okay? And, and this isn't a popular you know, message right here. You know, in today's world, we get to pick our own truth. See, Christianity is not Starbucks. We don't get to go in and choose, I want a little bit of this. I want, you know, I need the no-fat Jesus. I need the, you know, I don't want any suffering. And, and, and you know, give me, give me some of that extra blessing. Over we don't get to do that. <laughs> That's not the way Christianity works. It works like this, or it doesn't work at all in our life. We have to do it His way, not our way. And so we've got to learn to get into His Word and base our life on His promises and, and what He says. Even if it doesn't make sense, we do it anyway, and He makes it make sense. He makes it work in our life. I don't know how, but it works. But we've got to trust Him. See, that's what this What If series has been about, is that there's lots of questions out there, there's lots of things out there that, that sound good, or, or we want that to be right. But if it's not based on this, then it's not right. We always need to go back to God's Word for the answer to our questions. Don't trust what everybody says. You might come and ask me my opinion on something, I can give it to you. Don't trust me just because I said it, or because Pastor said it, or of course Jason said it. Judge it on this. Judge it on this. I might say something wrong sometimes. All right? I've been known to mess up a time or two. Ask my wife. That's why we got God's Word. 
to help sort out our mess-ups and our mistakes. So that's my challenge in this series. To ask what if. Don't just take everything at face value, but go into God's Word. Research. Find out what He says. And base your life on that. Okay? I know that's work. I know that takes time. But you know what? Our Christian life is a journey. The destination eventually is heaven. So as long as you're living here, you need to be working. You need to be searching. You need to be growing. You need to be reading. You need to be asking questions. Let me tell you, we're never going to arrive until we're standing face to face with Jesus. And at that point, I hope he answers all my questions because i got a bunch of them. <laughs> Help me figure some of this stuff out. So today as we wrap up, we got one more song we're going to sing. As we normally do, prayer team, y'all go ahead and come, come get in place. But today I just want you to connect with your Heavenly Father. I, I want this to be a moment of, uh, of just you and God. Maybe you need to ask God, like, God, what are some things that I haven't based my life on your truth? Where are some things am I missing in? Let me tell you, when you pray prayers like that, God likes to answer those, questions, those, those prayers, right? Because the Holy Spirit's there on the inside of us to lead us and guide us, to lead us into all truth. But today I want you to connect with your Heavenly Father. If you need to make Jesus Lord, man, come up here and pray with these guys. If you're facing a situation that just seems overwhelming and you just need someone to connect with you in prayer, come pray. But let's all stand to our feet. Let's worship God. And let's connect with him today.